Behold, a gateway to your own past, if you wish. History's strange, it's alien, and it won't give us what we would like to have. Glad you're here for Hour 3 of a Tuesday morning on the 16th of August, 2022. You're going to be glad you're here, too, because Tuesdays at 8 is when Dave Bowman joins us from Silverdale, Washington. It's up bright and early in the morning for us there. And brings us Dave Does History. We'll get into that momentarily as this hour of the show is brought to you by the McPherson Financial Group. You'll see links back to Dave Bowman, the DaveBowmanShow.com, and Dave Does History on the, the page at BillMick.com, where our headline is, uh, do we like Democrats? Are Democrats likable? We talked about that in our 7 o'clock hour. You'll be able to catch up with it in the podcast section a little bit later at BillMick.com and on the Bill Mick Live iHeartRadio channel. Let's say good morning to Dave Bowman. Hey, Dave, how are things in Silverdale today? Okay, define a fine Navy day for me. They're all fine Navy days, aren't they? Everybody's happy. Everybody's excited. Okay, we'll go with that. Does that mean your weather is reasonably cooperative? Oh, God, no. It's it's hot here. We have excessive heat warnings again. And uh, How, How's excessive heat defined in, in upstate, well, in uh, the upper northwest? Well, here it's going to be about 95, so. Okay, so you're on par with us right, then, so. Right. Only, well, and you've got an ocean, so you're okay. Go play in the water. Okay, I'll get right on that. See you, you later. Have you have gators, too? I mean, No, you but we do have sharks. Yeah. And, and well. we have orcas, which, as everybody knows, orcas are the bad word of the sea. So, orcas will mess with anybody, so. Okay, They're very, great. very good. What do you got for us history-wise today, Dave? What's well, on your mind? Dave? you know, I spent a lot of time thinking about things. Um, and I, 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 I've come to some realizations about some things. And in, in, in looking at history, you know, you talk about whether Democrats are likable. Various, various characters throughout history are either likable or not likable. And depending on whether they're likable or not likable really influences whether or not we pay attention to them, whether or not they become something of a, a hero to us or not. One of the uh, one of the more remarkable things about scriptures, and, and it doesn't really matter which which faith you belong to, but the rabbis teach us that the great thing about the scriptures is that they don't shy away from bad history, I guess. I, I don't like the term bad history, but dark history, I guess, is a better way to call it. Looking at the reality of history. Reality of humans. There are stories in the scriptures of murder, rape, political intrigue, sometimes all three, you know, intertwined. And they don't shy away from that stuff. But I noticed in my long career as a, as both a pastor and a a lay person in the church and that sort of thing, uh, we don't really like to talk about those things, do we? We kind of skip over them. We don't sort of, we just sort of, we know it's there. We like the bright, shiny spot. Right. Exactly. The shiny stuff, the cool stuff, the, the, the people that are heroes, those are the guys we like. There is actually a story in the book of Judges that 
is when you read it, I mean, Bill, I spent, I mean, I'm a pastor's son, spent seven years as a pastor myself, long before I converted. I have never in my entire life heard a sermon preached about Judges chapter 19, not once, because this story is so stunning to us. It's the story of a murder of a man's wife who then is chopped into 12 pieces. And it starts a civil war in which thousands of people die. We don't like to talk about this stuff. I'm thinking I haven't heard a sermon on that either. You, most people don't even know it's there. They just kind of you know skip by that, and it's if they no, know it's, it's there. It's not a Sunday school story, which is no. normally where Christians focus in the Old Testament, right? No, it's, it's definitely school, not. Right? the The story actually has a bigger application. If we had you know time to talk theology, we could get into it. But for our purposes today. What I want you to get is that it's dark history, and because it's dark history, not only do we not understand it, but we tend not to even pay any attention to it at all. We don't, we don't even read it because it makes us feel oogie, and we don't like it, which is something that maybe we should correct. Very good, and we get into Dave Does History when we continue in just 60 seconds here on Bill McLive. Our senior loved ones and our families help make us who we are, big factors in that. And there may come a time in their lives where you need to be a big factor for them. If your senior loved one is considering an alternative living situation, how about resort style senior living and memory care? That's what you get at Chateau Madeline. That's commitment of Eric Hardoon and the staff there. They're centrally located in Brevard in Suntree. In fact, their website is SuntreeSeniorLiving.com. And you can get a glimpse at, at, at uh, Chateau Madeline on the website. But better yet, do yourself a favor. If you're considering that move for your senior loved one, call Chateau Madeline and take a tour. You will be as impressed as I was. 321-701-8000. A real beautiful home, first-class nursing care, a place where life can and does get better for your senior loved one. It's Chateau Madeline. Locally owned, centrally located, your senior loved one deserves a home like Chateau Madeline. 321-701-8000. Dave Bowman with us as Dave does history on Bill McLive. So, Dave, where are we going for this week's history lesson? Let's jump to this day in 1780, August August 16, 1780, okay. and lead up to this day. This is one of the darkest days of the entire American Revolution. This is a day where more Americans should understand the just absolute fiasco that this day had become. Now, how did we get there? Well... As the, as the American Revolutionary War kind of ground on up in, up in the north, the British got frustrated with this, and they decided that the southern parts of the colonies had a lot more Tories, a lot more loyalists, a lot more uh, militia available to them. And so they decided to conduct what they called the Southern Strategy, which was they were going to move their armies all the way down south. And instead of fighting up north in New England, they would gather up all these loyalist troops and march on the North and, and win the war. And this was going to be the Southern strategy as it were. And it started with Charleston, Charleston, South Carolina, which was defended by a fairly large rebel army, a fairly large American army. And when the British showed up, the American army there just surrendered. They just laid down their arms and quit, which shocked everybody. Everybody was like, what? Doesn't sound like those founders we all love. No, it doesn't. Washington was furious. Congress was furious. Everybody was like, what the heck? 
So Congress decided that they needed a new leader in the South for the American army. Washington was the commander in chief in Northern area. So they picked a guy by the name of Horatio Gates, general Horatio Gates, which is a name that to that point was an American hero. Horatio Gates had won the battle of Saratoga, which is what got the French into the war for on our side. He was a well-known, well-respected guy. He'd been the commander of the Northern area, but he had some problems. One of those problems was he did not respect, who knows if he liked him or not, but he certainly didn't respect George Washington. He thought, Horatio Gates thought that he should have been chosen as the commander in chief. And so there was a little professional jealousy there. Okay. He began doing things like sending his reports you know, his battle reports, his army reports, all the kind of thing. Instead of sending them to Washington for Washington's approval, he would send them directly to Congress and bypass General Washington. Oh, not good. Eventually, because he had so many political friends, he was actually Horatio Gates. General Horatio Gates was named as a primary member to the Civilian Board of War, which was a congressional oversight committee that oversaw the conduct of the war. So in other words, they made him a civilian oversight of General Washington, even though he was technically General Washington's subordinate in the Army. You follow? I bet Washington took that well. Uh, he did. He did. Did he? He didn't, but, you know, yeah, okay. yeah. General Washington. So um, along the way, Gates decided, or somebody decided for Gates, it's not really clear that he should be in charge. And so they began to lobby Congress for this as part of his position for board of war. Oh, this Washington guy's not getting the job done. We need a new leader. And there are, there were letters from Gates that sort of made it clear that he was part of this cabal to get rid of Washington. Washington, because he was well-connected and very, uh, very, you know, well off found out about it and actually found out that Gates was involved. I mean, he, he had the letters with him. And so, of course, he confronted Gates, who denied the whole thing. He said, I don't know anything about it, um, but if you find out who it is, then, then let me know, and I'll be sure to say something to them. It, again, he's lying straight to Washington's face. Mm-hmm. But Washington, being the gentleman that he is, lets him get away with the lie because he resigns. Gates resigns from the Board of War. He says, uh, that's probably inappropriate. He resigns. But now in the middle of all this Southern strategy of the British, when Charleston falls, Congress decides, hey, we need a new leader in the South. We, we need a new general to go down there and save things. Washington raises his hand and says, hey, I've got the perfect guy. He will, he will get things done and everything will be fine. And Congress says, no, let's send Horatio Gates instead. And disaster will ensue. Oh, political intrigue like we would not have imagined in this unified colonial army, huh? Nope. It's anything but unified, that's for sure. Kind of like the country. Well, you know, we talked about that last week. Dave Bowman with us. Dave does history on Bill McLive. We'll see what's going on with Horatio Gates in a very dark days of the Revolutionary War. An angle we don't like to look at, and I understand that. 
We continue on Bill Make Live in moments. Our spacelaunchschedule.com friends bring you our launch coverage. You'll find it on demand at BillMick.com and on the homepage at WMMBAM.com. Just check on demand and stay up to date on the latest launches from here and around the globe. Hi, this is Justine bringing you late night talk for those that go to bed early. Listen to my podcast, What's Justine Thinking, every Wednesday and Friday on Anchor and Spotify. Dave Bowman joins Bill for our weekly look at the past. We're kind of hoping to learn something new or at least have some fun, you know? It's Dave Does History on Bill McLive. And the McPherson Financial Group brings you the hour. We're talking about uh, General Horatio Gates and General George Washington. Apparently, uh, some political rivalry going on and a bad day coming for the Revolutionary Army. Dave Bowman, where are we sitting at now, man? You know, I, I, I want to reiterate here the the idea of dark history. History we don't like to read because... It bothers us. We don't understand it. Doesn't make any sense. And that's kind of where we're headed with all this because this, this Horatio Gates guy is somebody who should be an American hero. Battle of Saratoga, fine leader. But, you know, things happen along the way. And eventually he gets, as I said, after the fall of Charleston, which just shocked everybody, he gets chosen over Washington's choice to lead the Southern Command. And this is purely Congress. This is purely politics. This is purely his friends in Congress pushing. So Gates was politically connected. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. He was politically connected. We're not going to see politically connected generals like this until the American Civil War when we have politicians just appointing themselves generals and, and going out and leading disasters. Gates's, um, Gates's idea is to go south, and he's going to gather up all these colonial militias. He doesn't, he only has about 2000 regulars, but he's going to gather up all these colonial militias in the South. And he's going to go to a place called Camden, South Carolina. He's going to stop about five miles North of there, dig in and force Cornwallis to attack him. And the thinking being here that, you know, if we're behind all these fences and everything, my militia, which aren't trained regulars will have, you know, better support. And Cornwallis will impale himself on us and we'll win the victory, you know, much like we did at Saratoga. Hooray for me. The problem is that he's, he's pushing things. He's, he's, he, he doesn't have an army. He has a militia and many of the local militias down there, people like Francis Marion and the Swamp Fox and others who have been doing this for years now, they look at Horatio Gates as this, interloper who's coming down here now to, as you said, during the break, tell them how to do things and Mm -hmm. they don't want that. That's not well received. I see that today. Yeah. And so they don't, uh, they don't react well to, to his, in fact, they kind of bail on him and say, you know what, we've got other things going on. We don't need to. So he ends up with an army of about 3000, maybe 3,500. And he decides to feed them dinner and then go on a night March. Well, the problem is, he fed him a dinner that was, in the words of most historians, a, a purgative, purgative, it was a laxative. 
and his troops are having problems along the way. And at two o'clock in the morning, they run. Carolina is pretty wooded, though. I mean, they ought to be okay. Yeah, but at two o'clock in the morning, they run into the British forces head to head, and neither side wants a night fight. So they pull apart, and in the morning, they actually meet at the Battle of Camden. Well, of course, he's completely not ready now because now he doesn't have any of his defensive work put up, none of that. And the whole thing, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on the battle because the, you could read this yourself, but the battle turns into an absolute disaster for the, for, the, for, the, for the colonials. And not only does it turn into a disaster, but it ends up with Barrelston, sorry, Tarleton, the, the British colonel who's famous, you know, the movie The Patriot and all that. He yeah. actually gets involved again. With Tarleton's quarter, he's surrounding people, cutting them down the whole nine yards. And Horatio Gates does something that, well, to this day should haunt him. But because we don't like to talk about dark history, very few people know. Horatio Gates, general, commander of the Southern Department of the, of the United States of America armies, turns around as his men are starting to break. And instead of rallying them, instead of standing tall in the saddle and saying, follow me, you know, do what I do. He turns and runs away on himself. his horse himself. Not only does he run away, Bill, he doesn't stop running for three days. He goes 170 miles before he finally says, that's far enough. They can't get me now. And just leaves his army a wreck on the field at Camden, over a thousand dead and captured by the British. So we've had the disaster at Charleston and now we have this disaster and it kind of starts to look like the British Southern strategy is working. And we get the rest of the story with Dave Bowman in a moment as the McPherson financial group makes this hour of Bill McLeod possible. I sat down and met with Art a couple of weeks ago now. And the reason I have a financial planner is because these folks live and work in this world and I don't. And as with an economy that is in flux, shall we say, take somebody who knows the world and knows what they're doing. And that's why I like Art McPherson and the McPherson Financial Group. They will help you review your current plan at no charge and uh, start looking at ways to help you build that retirement you're looking for. It takes planning. It takes strategy. Hopefully not like Horatio Gates. And you end up with a retirement that you're looking for. Call the McPherson Financial Group at 321 253 2016 or see them online at mcphersonfinancialgroup.com. The McPherson Financial Group LLC is a financial services firm offering a broad array of products and services that include insurance and annuities. They're licensed in Florida. Yes, they compensate me for the uh, ad and they handle my financial planning. Don't forget their show, The Art of Money, every weekend on WMMB. Dave does history on Bill McLive. Dave, uh, so Gates decides to bold and run, and he runs for three days, 170 miles, where he thinks he's in relative safety. It's it's almost like this is his greatest accomplishment in some ways, is running away from the Battle of Camden. 170 miles built by horseback. Can you imagine that? I mean, I've ridden no. horses, but never for more than an hour, hour and a half at the time. This guy rode for three days. And the whole time he's running, Every time, every town he passes, I mean, this is the United States in, in 1780, so communication is very fast. Most of these people already know what happened, and all they see is this general in his full uniform racing by, headed north, 
You'd think he would have taken the rank insignia off, maybe dropped the hat along the way, whatever. You know, those are things that you wonder about, but I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'd love to go back and meet him in history and say, okay, what was going through your mind? What was happening? Now, as he gets away, he he finally reaches his, his destination 170 miles away. Congress, of course, is furious about this. Congress is like, what the heck? You know, we put you in charge and this is what it goes. So they call for an inquiry, a board of inquiry. Now, this is like being hoisted on your own petard because the General Gates was all about doing boards of inquiry before. When, when, it, was, when it was Benedict Arnold and George Washington and all these other peoples, he was mm-hmm. always calling for boards of inquiry into their, into their conduct. Well, now Congress is looking at him and he's like, oh, wait a minute, don't do, uh, that's not fair. That's not right. I'm, <laughs> I'm Saratoga. And he's really upset about the fact that Congress is going to investigate him, even though Congress is the one that put him in charge over George Washington's objections. And the, the whole nation is like, well, wait a minute. We, we've had Charleston. Now we've had Camden. Are the British actually going to win this war with the Southern Territory? Is this actually going to work? And, of course, there's Washington over there going, hey, I, I've got the perfect guy to run the Southern campaign. He's, he's really good. And not only is he really good, but he'll win. I suggested to him, him to you before, but you, you chose this clown instead. And, you know, maybe you ought to pick this guy now. I was going to ask you, do we ever learn who Washington wanted? And I guess oh, yeah. maybe we'll get there when we continue. But uh, George has to feel like a horrible loss. We shouldn't be doing this. B, I had this plan better. What the heck? I think I think Washington is really mad because he's 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 so tired of the political intrigue, and to him, that's people putting themselves ahead of the country, and he hates that. Then you're right. His guy is going to get put in charge, and of course. A year and a half later, well, less than a year later, we all know what's going to happen. Very good. We will uh, get the aftermath of this story and see if there are lessons to learn and who learned them maybe and who didn't. When we continue with Dave Bowman, as Dave does history on Bill McLive, we'll also let you in with your calls in our final segment, 321-768-1240, right here on Bill McLive. I'm Bill Mick with WMMB Radio in Melbourne, Florida, where we have a governor that will actually stand for what's right. My show airs mornings from 6 to 9 Eastern. Every day we discuss news, politics, and social issues that impact us all. Tuesdays in our 8 o'clock hour, Dave joins me for something we call Dave Does History, where Dave brings us events from our past that contain lessons for right now. To listen live, find WMMB on the iHeartRadio app. Or catch up with us, the Space Coast Morning Conversation, and our podcast at BillMick.com. That's M-I-C-K, like E-Y Mouse, except we still get the genders binary, unlike the corporate wonks at the Mouse House. Catch Bill's Mick Nugget Daily at 5.30 during Sean Hannity on WMMB. The McPherson Financial Group bringing you this hour of Dave Does History on Bill Mick Live. Dave Bowman with us from Silverdale, Washington, as we're taking a look at uh, a dark day, dark period maybe in American history that we don't necessarily like to look at. General Horatio Gates politically versus General George Washington, Dave, and he loses in Camden, South Carolina, and takes a three-day trip to be away from everything. 
yet he, he even politically manages to survive this. That kind of surprises me here, too. Yeah, they uh, Congress wants a board of inquiry, but he has friends, quote unquote, in Congress, and they managed to kill the, the request for the board of inquiry. And so literally no one is ever held accountable for the defeat at, at Camden. And Horatio Gates will actually be restored to Washington staff in 1783-ish, late 1782, early 1873. So he actually makes it back. He's never given a field command again, but he will be part of Washington staff uh, when the Newburgh conspiracy rolls around. Yeah, his job's going to be carrying tea to everybody. Come on. Yeah, something like that. Okay. The, uh, the Southern strategy is seems to be working, but of course now Congress has no choice. They got to put Nathaniel Green, General Nathaniel Green, Nasty Nat, uh, the, the person that Washington wanted in charge in the South, in the South, and a combination of events will will happen. Uh, the militias will will defeat the Tory militias at the Battle of Kings Mountain. Uh, Nasty Nat Nathaniel Green will win the battle at Cowpens, and the Southern ter- strategy will backfire on the British, and Cornwallis will begin his long retreat to a little place called Yorktown, Virginia, where he will make the worst mistake of his life and get himself encircled there, as we all know, mm-hmm. is going to happen. The real question is, how do we judge all this? Why is bad history as, as important as good history? We all like Washington. We all like Nathaniel Green. But we don't like to talk about Horatio Gates. And it, it goes back to what I was talking about at the beginning. When you really understand the story of the murder of the man's wife in the book of Judges, when you really understand what that's about, it changes how you view things. And I don't have time to get into the theology of it. Uh, we did a show on it some time ago, but when you understand how and why Gates was able to fail, rise, fail, rise, fail, rise, you something should change for us. We we should begin to see patterns that we should learn from. What I'm afraid of is that we won't. What I'm afraid of is that you know we 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 continue to make the same mistakes where Congress you know, tries to direct things, even though it knows nothing about stuff and it keeps putting the wrong people in charge and, and doing the wrong thing at the wrong time. So I'm not sure we learn the lessons, but is the reason we don't learn the lessons because we're just stupid or is it because the lessons are right there in front of us in the dark history of our country, this day, the battle of, of, of Camden. And we just don't want to learn them because they're, they're not as cool as some of the other things. And so we don't like to read that stuff. And that's what I'm afraid of is we don't like to read the dark history. And so we don't learn those lessons. And like the Israelites of old, we keep making the same mistakes because we don't want to learn the, the lessons that don't seem to entertain us as much. Now, if we could just get Congress to learn that lesson, we'd be better off. Am I right? Yeah, I think you are. And wish we could go in that direction. Dave, let's talk for a minute about Gates actually making it through all of this and what happens to him in the aftermath now. I he, mean, yeah, he actually ends up back on Washington staff. And in 1783, the fighting is all done in the United States. The war is still going on around the world. And so we still have our army because we don't have the treaty out of Paris that's going to end the war. And there is actually something called the Newburgh Conspiracy, where the officers of the Continental Army are going to bypass Washington and literally march on Congress because they haven't been paid or they haven't gotten their benefits or whatever. 
and Washington finds out about it. Man calls a big meeting in a place called Newburgh, Connecticut. And of course, one of the ringleaders of all this, although he continues to deny it, is Horatio Gates. He's not the most honest of our historical characters, is he? He's a politician, isn't he? Yeah, big time. Anyway, it's, it's, it's a famous event because Washington um, calls all his officers together. And he gives a very emotional speech at which he explains to them, your loyalty to this country is more important than your pay. And this war is not over. Even though we won at Yorktown, the British are gone. This war isn't over yet. And we better get our stuff together or, or we could lose. And at the end of the speech that Washington gives, he does something that he's never done before. He reaches into his pockets and he pulls out a pair of spectacles, glasses, to read a letter to them from Congress. And everybody is stunned by this because they've never seen Washington show any physical weakness at all. None. And he says, gentlemen, you will permit me to put on my spectacles, for I have not only grown gray, but almost blind in the service of my country. And after he says that, we're told that there were just the whole place was just emotional and the whole conspiracy just goes away. And Gates ends up retiring because. There's really nothing left for him to do. And even after that, they, they still try to rehabilitate his, his reputation, but it never really, it never really happens. And so he kind of goes on the, the trash heap of history. We don't, we, we might know him, we might not, but we certainly don't want to study him. We don't want to learn the lessons of him, which is unfortunate because we should. Very true. And we continue with Dave Bowman in just 60 seconds. You want in here. Three two one seven six eight twelve forty. We'll be picking up in a minute on WMMB. The iHeartRadio Music Festival happens in Las Vegas, September twenty third and twenty fourth. You can win your way there, starting in our next hour every Monday through Friday. Three chances a day for you to win your way, along with a thousand bucks in your pocket for the iHeartRadio Music Festival. Good luck. I'd like to see you win, Dave. Before we get back to uh, wrapping this thing up, a couple of phone calls coming in. Let's see what's going on with. Uh, Horatio Gates at all. Good morning. You're up next on Bill McLeod. Good morning. Hey, Mario. Dave Bowman. Dave Bowman. Hello. How are you doing, Bill? Dave, you are an awesome historian. I have not had in probably 30 or 40 years had listened to history delivered like that since I had a Middlebury College professor giving history. You bring life and light and color. I can see so much of what's going on. I wish I, I wish I'd had you as a professor. Of course, of course, I'm, I'm probably a lot older than you, but nevertheless, the, the uh, I did have that Middlebury College professor, and you are very, very much, uh, you know, in the same in the same league. Thank you. I I appreciate that. You know, I I think every historian I'm has a lot older than you, but every historian has that that same story. We had some teacher, some professor somewhere, and I have two of them. Uh, my my sophomore year high school teacher Ray Miller, and uh, some courses that I've taken online from Professor Allett. Um, I highly recommend those. It, and you're right. I if it can't come alive, what's the point? And that's kind of what I what I try to put into it. Very very good. Very well done, Dave. There's something I'm picking up through our discussions of history on these Tuesdays, and more and more. And of course, I'm listening to your podcast through the week and, and listening to. Uh, what the frock with you and Rod that you guys produce on Sunday and have out by Mondays generally. Um, 
man doesn't change. Technology, locations, everything else, weaponry, that can all change. But the heart of human being seems to be consistent throughout history. And we're are we learning anything anytime? I like to think that we are, but, you know, my third law, and I have a list of Dave's 10 laws plus three. Uh, the third law is people don't change. They do the same things for the same reasons with the same results throughout history. But what, what they do is they convince themselves that this time it'll be different because of technology, because of knowledge, whatever. And it never changes. Um, but at the same There's time, a common factor in all this, right? It's the human. Right. But at the same time, Bill, if we're not striving to get better, if we're not striving to change, that's what humanity is in my view. So we got to keep trying even if we keep, screwing things up so and we will how many laws does dave have i i have 10 but i also have three extra ones so i call it 10 plus three okay so you're not quite as bad as ashley judd in no. star trek the next generation no not that bad uh, okay that that's good to hear um we have occasional politicians that learn these lessons and you'll hear them speak eloquently about it but they're fewer and farther between. Maybe you need to get a podcast series to politicians somehow. I think that might work. I, I look, I have a, you know this because you know what I was doing in, in, in Modesto. Uh, I tend to tick off politicians because I, I'm no respecter of persons at all when it comes to this stuff. And I don't, right. I don't really care if you're left, right, or indifferent. I, if you're stupid, I'm going to tell you you're being stupid. And what I get a lot of, Bill, is you can't criticize this side because you're this side. Well, I believe that I criticize, you always should criticize your own side even more because you actually care about it. If People, you can't hold your own accountable, right. you have no business holding anybody else accountable. Exactly. Dave, why don't you criticize Democrats? Because I know what they are and I don't care. I criticize Republicans because they're the ones that are telling me that they want my vote, my money, and that they're going to do what I want to do, want done. And then they don't. So, yeah, mm -hmm. that's the people I criticize. Let's get one more call in while we have the opportunity. Good morning. Good morning. Here on Bill McLive with Dave Bowman. Hey, great, great story today. Hey, Dave, I want to ask you a question on where you get your material. You know, stories have been passed down, passed down, passed down. They change every time. But you don't hear these stories out here in the school books or anything yet. So they have it, you know, each time it changes a little bit. Where do you get your sources from academic things or the Smithsonian? I like to listen. It wouldn't be good for me that, to hear this, but maybe other people listen. Where do you get a lot of your sources from? I read incessantly. Bill can tell you this. I, I'm never without a book in my hand. Uh, I have a personal library of about 3,500 books right here in my house. Um, Are there certain places or do you read actual papers? Are you there? I, I do both. I read papers. I read books. I read, uh, you know, just in the past two weeks. He's answering I, you, Keith. Let me drop you off so you can hear the answer. Just in the past two weeks, I think I've probably spent $60 on books about the American Revolution and character John Hancock. I bought, you know, we talked a couple of weeks ago about there's only two biographies of, of Hancock. I now, I now own them both. Um, it, it's just a matter of reading. It's a matter of being willing to, to spend time and study. And most Americans aren't, we want, we want the 60 second version. We don't want the, we don't want to actually get in That's depth true. on things. That's true. Keith had also asked a pretty pertinent question. He texted me during the break about were these battles line of soldier versus line of soldier, or was there guerrilla warfare in play? 
There was a lot of guerrilla warfare, you know, obviously the Battle of Lexington and Concord. Uh, but in the South, particularly with the militias, there was a lot of the guerrilla warfare. But there's a lot of criticism about the linear tactics of the era. But that was the best tactics of the day, considering the weaponry they had and how to control an army. In fact, at the Battle of Calpins, which which is going to follow this battle, this is where, Nash, where Nathaniel Green is going to win. It's the first time that the American army actually stands toe-to-toe with the British in those linear tactics and wins. Oh, wow. That's interesting. By the way, Keith, Dave's bibliography posted for you at BillMick.com. If you'll see the link that's lit up that says Dave Does History, that takes you to his page where he's got a lot of this material listed, and you can link up to a lot of it and give it a read. Dave Bowman, we are sadly out of time, but link up and catch up with Dave's podcast from my page at BillMick.com, and we'll talk again next Tuesday, my friend. I'm looking forward to it. 